Hello, and welcome to the Green Book Commentaries. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. Episode 56, BJ Goes to War. Welcome back, students and doctors of chiropractic. In today's episode, BJ Palmer goes to war with Lincoln Chiropractic College. What started this professional skirmish, and why did Lincoln College instructors offers such sharp criticism to BJ. In order to answer this question, we must first understand the history behind Lincoln College. Lincoln Chiropractic College was founded in 1926 and was later changed to National College. However, for today's episode, we're going to focus on Lincoln Chiropractic's first decade and its relationship to the Palmer School. Oh, and of course, the war that both schools fought for supremacy in the development of chiropractic. The year was 1924 at Palmer's annual Lyceum in Davenport, Iowa. Lyceum was an annual event held for Palmer alumni where BJ would showcase the latest advancements in chiropractic. This ranged anywhere from subluxation analysis to adjusting technique and all the latest adjusting tables. Focus for, the focus for 1924 was subluxation analysis. This is where BJ introduced the neurocolometer. You'll remember from former episodes that the NCM was a heat detection instrument that measured paraspinal skin temperature differentials caused by subluxation. So BJ took to the Lyceum stage and made his famous speech, The Hour Has Arrived. In this presentation, BJ emphatically said to all the chiropractors present that the only way to scientifically determine when a subluxation was present and know exactly which vertebra was subluxated was to use the neurocolometer. After BJ made this pronouncement, I'm sure that you could hear a pin drop among the hundreds sitting in, in the tent. What more, BJ would add to this by saying that any subluxations found with previous methods were completely by accident, and that any sick patients who got well were in spite of, chiro of the chiropractor, rather than because of. If you could hear a pin drop before, now I'm sure you could hear that pin dropping all over Davenport. Prior to the invention of the NCM in 1923, the only objective test available to chiropractors was the x-ray, which was introduced into chiropractic by BJ himself in 1910. BJ used to teach that any positional abnormality of vertebrae, as seen on x-ray, constituted a subluxation at that specific segment. This was combined with the Merrick system of spinal analysis, which would help chiropractors also determine the location of subluxation. The problem with Merrick system and x-ray analysis is that they only revealed the supposed location of a subluxation, and not when it was present. For example, BJ used to say that you could x-ray a patient 
find multiple subluxations, adjust them, hear and feel them move, then re-x-ray and not see any changes in the position of the adjusted vertebra for quite some time later. Clearly, this meant that the profession needed a more sensitive indicator for subluxation. As we couldn't x-ray patients pre and post every adjustment, this need in chiropractic was developed in the neurocolometer. So what did the profession have to say? Were they happy to develop along scientific lines with scientific instruments? And what did BJ's faculty have to say about the NCM? The profession and the faculty at large rejected this latest advancement in chiropractic science. But why? For the same reason they initially rejected the x-ray. Chiropractic had worked well enough for this group of contentious chiropractors. They had become good at getting results using Merrick system and x-ray. What more could they expect in using instrumentation? It was at this time that even BJ's most trusted core of faculty resigned and went to form Lincoln Chiropractic College, reverting back to teaching 1910 chiropractic to its students. Among this core of faculty were BJ's closest friends, Drs. Vetter, Burek, and Firth. For those who read the Green Books, you'll recognize, the, recognize these names as fellow authors alongside BJ's contribution. So, the 1924 Lyceum became a major divider in the profession between the larger group, who was content on the limited results of yesterday, and a smaller but growing group who saw the value of sensitive instrumentation in detecting subluxation presence and confirming location. On a side note to the 1924 Lyceum, it was this event that caused a major depression in BJ. The profession was rejecting this development. BJ's inner circle even left and formed a competing chiropractic college. It would be like the inventor of the blood pressure cuff and sphygmomemometer be utterly rejected by cardiologists, simply because they were using vascular palpation previously to get a good idea of a patient's blood pressure. People of science today would laugh at the ideas of yesterday because they have hindsight. In 1924, at Lyceum, BJ stood as the pioneer in chiropractic instrumentation. While his contemporaries laughed, BJ stood firm in the foresight that this was the future of the science of chiropractic, while others fell back onto former methods that were now becoming obsolete. We begin our reading from volume 25, page 551. Do specific work, and you'll get specific results. One of drawbacks to an immediate stepping up of our chiropractic efficiency in securing quick, permanent results on worst cases is inability of average chiropractor to keep from adding or subtracting from specific system, that which he thinks he knows should be added or subtracted. We are victims of yesterday. 
We are today because of what we were yesterday. We think today based upon and around thoughts of yesterday. Given two people trying to practice specific work, including students here in school, not knowing any other system than specific, will accomplish more, quicker than chiropractor who has known, been taught, and practiced other systems yesterday. Student will use only system he is now taught. Earlier chiropractor will endeavor to inject and subtract today with yesterday. We find sincere and thoughtful chiropractors trying to use specific, injecting Merrick system places of adjustments, especially if NCM finds nerve pressure, heat resistance readings at places other than major. A practical case. A foundry man strained his back, lumbar region, while lifting a heavy mold. He felt injury in lumbar region. A visual lumbar defect was to be seen. Pain was down there. Chiropractor was using specific. He found a reading at atlas as well as in lumbar region. He adjusted only the atlas and case became well. In process of subsequent checking, Patient thought his lumbar region ought to be adjusted. Chiropractor could not see why there was not a lumbar subluxation, a la Merrick system. To appease patient, he gave an adjustment in lumbar region. Patient returned next day with his lumbago back again. Lumbago was adjusted out with specific atlas. It was adjusted in with lumbar subluxation. Chiropractor, seeing what he saw, learned his lesson. He again adjusted Atlas and refused to do anything more. Any other place and case regained health and remain so. There are chiropractors who use NCM, find several places of readings in different localities. They adjust them all, thinking they are doing specific work. Their case does not get well quickly. They condemn NCM and specific system. If they had strictly followed specific system and not injected anything more than it lays down, case would have attained its objective. You can, go, you can no more take over Merrick system method into specific system than you can carry over method of use of NCM number one into method of use of NCM number two. There must be a complete divorce from yesterday if you desire to secure work of today. For this reason, we repeatedly made statement during Lyceum 1930. If you do what we do, as we do it, you will secure results we do. We know it is hard to outreason yesterday and in reason today. We believed Merrick's system correct and it is hard to teach ourselves that a more accurate system is before us. But step up and efficiency comes in doing that very thing. General reasons why chiropractors will do more or less than specific are their past education leads them to believe that this little is not enough or in general it is not complete without, setting, without something more being done or they listen to patient who influences them to think they ought to have 
more for their money. Therefore, proceed to give more and really deliver less. A careful checkup of reports from Field assures us that if a chiropractor prefers to mix two different systems, such as Merrick system and specific system, it would be better for his cases that he confine himself to one or other exclusively. If he believes that Merrick system can and does locate subluxations, and according to Merrick system, it is plural, then he cannot believe in specific system, where NCM locates it according to specific system, it is singular. If reverse be true, that NCM locates subluxation and tells when an adjustment should and should not be given, then he should discard Merrick system. Reports show that where NCM locates major and chiropractor prefers to superimpose that with Merrick system, case more than usually reports lowered resistance and a return of many symptoms he formerly had. It should be obvious that if the place picked by NCM is the place, then all other places that might be picked by Merrick system are not places for adjustment. If places picked by Merrick system are the places, then any place that might be picked NCM, contrary to this, could be construed as of merit or possessing value for adjustment. Specific system proclaims that NCM locates the major and one subluxation cause, all other readings being misalignments. If misalignments are adjusted upon theory that they are subluxations, then subluxations will be made out of them if anything is done upon them. Practically, a case may have eight places of NCM reading interference. One is a subluxation. Seven are misalignments. To adjust misalignments is to create seven subluxations and create seven diseased conditions, even though eighth, otherwise my correct conditions, it causes. This puts us right back where we were before specific system was advanced to profession. It would be advisable for each chiropractor to follow one system or other, according to his breadth of understanding of either, but it is inadvisable to attempt to add to or subtract from either one as a complete system in itself. The past and present value of transitional areas. In Lincoln Chiropractic College Bulletin, May 1932, Dr. Not Listed, purports to set forth an idea as though it were original, a recent development with which he has been directly concerned, even to letting it appear that he is its champion, defender of faith, etc. In this contention, Lincoln Chiropractic College knowingly encourage supposition without directly committing themselves. One by one, article by article is being printed. Facts are brought to light. History is repeated. Chiropractors are beginning to know today what happened yesterday. That's what this war produces. This transitional area idea is an effort to A, keep chiropractic where it was previous to 1923. B, keep it standing still and thus appease those who prefer to be let alone. 
C. Keep it from moving onward and upward in its steady progress to development within itself. Point-by-point -point explanations appear to what is happening that those who care and desire to know may keep posted, so long as any article misrepresents, denies, or dilutes any chiropractic principle or practice, and it is vital that record be kept clear. We shall discuss them, knowing well that people come and go, but principles live. So far as it is possible, we quote from limited writings of this chiropractor as they concern this principle. Quote, We state and prove that mechanical correction of entire spine brings about a permanency in results obtained by no other method, because a mechanical balance is secured. Every specific user and every major adjuster is confronted today with same problem we experienced before adopting a method that corrects and holds vertebrae in place after it is adjusted. Namely, correction is only temporary in many cases. Where rotation or scoliosis exists, involving three or more vertebrae, to adjust but one vertebra in that rotation is, in the majority of cases, to give only temporary relief, for sooner or later, muscular pull holding other vertebrae out of alignment will again distort one adjusted. That is why you specifics have your persistent readings of congested areas, whether it be superficial capillary congestion, as I believe it to be, or nerve heat, as you want to believe. That is why major adjusters experience recurrence of symptoms after subluxation has been but temporarily corrected. That is why a single vertebra in rotation, or correction, that is why a single vertebra in rotation or scoliosis adjusted over a long period of time, when it is temporarily corrected, will produce pressure above or below, according to foramen occluded. We have taken 26,000 x-rays to prove our contention. What acceptable diagnostic evidence do you have to disprove these records? By same 26,000 x-rays, we discovered 10 years ago that most frequent transitional area and occlusion of foramen with possible point of nerve pressure was between atlas and axis. You come along 10 years later and confine 99% of your endeavors to this area, and then you ask why we do not follow you and grow with a growing movement. Bless your soul, we are 10 years ahead of you. There are other transitional areas in the spine, just as important as atlas axis area. While yours is a confining and limited technique, ours is a broader and unlimited technique, which takes into account nerve distribution to entire body. It is true that upper cervical adjusting will produce results in a much wider area than any other region of spine because of the vagus nerve distribution. We have long stress correction in, correction in area as being very important, rotation being most common distortion." End quote. Theory presented by Palmer School of Chiropractic, 1906, was that every curvature, scoliosis, kyphosis, lordosis, etc., 
had a superior point of origin, a center or apex, and an inferior or ending of that curve. This was true in direct as well as in adaptive curve, either superior or inferior to it. This transitional area would cover not less than three vertebrae, and often more than three. It might be limited to one place or might include several. It could be located any place where there were transitional area, subluxations causing a curvature. Subluxation in a transitional area had a twist, kink, or torque to area involved, eventually producing a minor local or major general curve, which in introduced a series of subluxations. A comparison of this old idea with idea now being advanced by Dr. Unnamed will show little difference. Under this theory, there being many subluxations, each was to be adjusted until all were adjusted out of existence. We not only adjusted most superior vertebra of transitional area, but we adjusted apex vertebra in that transitional area, as well as inferior vertebrae of that transitional area. Gradually, we kept working them out, and as we did, we worked on intermediary vertebrae in that transitional area, until eventually we hoped to have all vertebrae in that transitional area in perfect perpendicular alignment, with no subluxations existing anywhere. A comparison of this old idea, with idea now being advanced by Dr. Unnamed, will show little difference. Inasmuch as each subluxation creates a transitional area, to which later there appeared an adaptive transitional area, it can be readily seen that we had to study spine carefully to know which was first and direct, and which was secondary and adaptive, and which we adjust first and which last. Before we got with this theory we were doing, up to 1923, what Lincoln Chiropractic College are advocating today, adjusting any place in spine with the idea of adjusting its every kink, twist, or misalignment, to properly align each and every vertebra with each and every other vertebra, with hope that we could get them all in perfect alignment so there could be no pressures or interferences. In 1910, Palmer School of Chiropractic introduced Spinograph. We took Spinographs to check this principle to see if practice had advocated correction. We took Spinographs to check this principle to see if practice as advocated was practical. Some of our profession make much over fact that they have taken over 26,000 plates upon which they now base their conclusions. The Palmer School of Chiropractic has taken over one and a half million since we introduced Spinograph into chiropractic. Had we continued to rely alone upon information given only by Spinograph, we too would be talking same language, thoughts, and ideas previous to 1906. What did Spinograph reveal? It showed clearly transitional areas. Then, it shows them now. Every spinal column has them. What are they? What value is to be attached to them? Are they causes of dis-ease? 
are they subluxations in fact, or a subluxation in theory? Can spinograph show a subluxation? Or is what spinograph shows only theoretical and not practical? In those earlier days, we too had same convictions that others have now. We moved on. They stood still. We refused to continue to think same thoughts. They do. We thought then that spinograph could, did, and would show us optically where each and every subluxation was. Spinograph only depicted malrelationships between vertebrae. We construed all such to be subluxations in fact. Spinograph showed transitional areas because it did show an irregularity in position of a vertebra or series of vertebrae up and down full length of spine and because they were optically in anything but normal alignment and because we could now correctly see by preference to incorrectly feeling. We concluded then, as others conclude now, that each and every one was a subluxation and concluded then, just as others conclude now, that each should be adjusted and put into normal alignment where we thought they should be put. Out of that grew general adjustment of entire spine idea. Today picture changes. Spinograph cannot show, prove, or give knowledge of location of any subluxation in fact. Spinograph cannot bring to our eye any knowledge of location of any subluxation. We once thought it could. We do not think so now. Others still think it does. Others emphasize, as proof of their conclusion, that they have taken x-ray pictures. We base our denial on what is safe to say covers over one million and a half x-ray films, plus much other additional chiropractic information secured from other chiropractic sources that is vitally essential to settle any chiropractic subluxation conclusion. Could you, looking at two spinographs, tell which one or whether either was taken of a live man or dead? We present two spinographs. Which was taken of a live man? Which of a dead man? Or were both alive or dead? A spinograph is as reliable in recording misalignments in dead man as live one. An x-ray can radiograph a fracture in dead man as well as live one. For this reason, spinographs do not record subluxations. Subluxations exist only in live people. A chiropractor cannot adjust a dead man. There is no subluxation to adjust, and even though he thought he could, it would do no good, for life isn't there. Spinograph records position of segments. It can do this as well in dead as living. We have taken both dead and living, and it is effective in one or both, for nobody can tell difference, by plate or film, whether it was taken in, live, in life or death. NCM is useless on a dead body. It is applicable and practical and can be used on live body. It alone proves presence or absence of life, interference to flow of life, 
and after an adjustment has been given to live man, it proves whether it was adjustment or not, by whether it restores transmission of life or not, or whether pressure has increased and transmission decreased or not. We could pull a dirty trick on those who judge cases by spinographs by handing them one taken from dead body. They wouldn't know the difference, but you can't fool NCM. A dead body universally is cold. NCM reads comparative heat. It reads active interference between one spot where there is greater heat than other. Dead bodies are cold all over, absorbing only temperature of room they are in generating no internal independent heat for internal flowing mental impulse life which makes internal heat is absent. Any conclusion reached by spinographs alone is a percent conclusion and is only that percent safe. NCM is required to give the life conclusion and adjustment is third angle to chiropractic conclusion. Many went to Palmer School of Chiropractic back in days when we taught that any and every irregularity of position that could be felt by palpation or seen with the eye from spinograph automatically constituted a subluxation. We have long since outgrown that idea, realizing that something more than abnormal position is necessary to make a subluxation in fact. Others still cling to that impossible idea that every irregularity of position alone constitutes all and every element that makes, a, that makes it a subluxation in fact. We have gone far beyond that. They are either unable to think beyond that line or have no means at their command to prove beyond that line or they are too set in their opinions to desire to progress beyond that line. It matters not why. They stood still and balanced march, balance march on developing keener lines of discrimination to which they have not yet arrived. You can be right or wrong on one or one million films. One spinograph or millions show irregularities in position of vertebrae. Not one or one million could or do show a pressure upon nerves or an interference to transmission of mental impulse supply. Spinographs show what they are, nothing more, nothing less. Abnormalities of position. They do not show location of pressures or interference to transmission of life. If a spinograph shows abnormal position and there is no pressure or interference at that location, it is not a subluxation. If there is pressure upon nerves and an interference to transmission, even though spinograph shows no abnormality of position, then it is a subluxation in fact. Every transitional area has misalignments. It is impossible to find one that hasn't. Are misalignments subluxations? In ancient chiropractic theory, yes. In modern fact, no. A spinograph cannot reveal a subluxation. It does reveal misalignments. There is a vast difference between misalignment, which every spinograph will show, and a subluxation, which no spinograph can show. It is difference between theory versus fact, failure 
versus success, opinion versus knowledge, previous to 1910 versus since 1910, fingers and spinograph versus NCM. A subluxation is any vertebra which is out of alignment with its correspondence above and below, which does occlude a foramen, which does produce a pressure upon nerves, which does interfere with a normal quantity transmission of mental impulse supply between brain and body via spinal canal, cord, and nerves. Spinograph can prove which is out of alignment and which does occlude a foramen, but it cannot prove which does produce a pressure upon nerves, and which does interfere with a transmission of mental impulse supply. And therein lies difference in opinion of conclusion of those who know that it does none of these. NCM proves which does produce a pressure upon nerves, and which does interfere with a transmission of mental impulse supply, but cannot prove which is out of alignment, and which does occlude a foramen. And therein lies difference in opinion of conclusions between some of, and those who know it does prove only two of essential four conclusions. Beginning with 1895, we thought fingers could find subluxations by palpation. Spinograph, 1910, showed our fingers were often incorrect. Previous to advent of spinograph, we taught that fingers could find any and every irregularity of position, and these constituted subluxations. After advent of spinograph, we taught the same principle with correction, that often spinograph would prove mistakes of fingers. Up to 1923, we taught that any and every misalignment that spinograph could find did constitute a subluxation, that transitional areas contained several such. Spinograph proved irregularity of position, hence we concluded it automatically proved all theoretical elements necessary to make it a subluxation. Fingers and palpation can prove irregularity of position. Many today do not rely upon fingers. They have progressed beyond fingers to spinograph. Spinograph optically can prove misalignments of, of position. This many admit, but neither fingers nor spinograph can do can or do prove existence or of of or location of pre pressure upon nerves or an actual interference to transmission of mental impulse supply. This some chiropractors will not admit because to do so automatically demands something more than fingers or spinograph, the NCM, and this they do not care to affirm. Therein lies difference in conclusion of judgment between believing spinograph shows enough to be reasonably safe and use of additional knowledge to no location of cause of disease and its cure to be certain. Fingers and spinographs are effective in proving what they prove on a dead man as they could on a live man. Fingers and spinograph both prove misalignments on dead men, but neither proves presence or absence of a subluxation. Only live man can have cause and cure of disease. To establish any conclusion equally as effective upon dead man as live man, it is to assume there is no difference in principle or practice between dead or living. 
Some conclusions are correction. Some conclusions are safely made on safely made on dead man. Others can be safely made made only upon live man. NCM clears that missing link that connects information made upon dead bodies and those made only upon living bodies. Some are reaching conclusions just as sound on dead as on living. Palmer School of Chiropractic is now connecting information that can be gained on dead or alive spinograph with that applicable only to live man NCM. Palpation and spinograph determine locations of irregularities of position of vertebrae as well on dead as on live man. The NCM now determines exact locations of pressures upon nerves and where interferences to transmission of impulses exist and thus establishes connecting link between the cause and cure of dis-ease in living man and absence of these conclusions in dead man. It is regrettable that some permit their prejudices to NCM to prevent their admitting this obvious fact. When NCM is competent, competently and correctly used on living body, on transitional areas, it will prove or disprove whether there is or is not pressure upon nerves, interfering with transmission of mental impulse supply at those places. When spinograph is used and it finds a transitional area, it is necessary to use NCM to find whether there is or is not pressure upon nerves or interference to supply mental impulse at that area. If there is no pressure or interference at that transitional area, it is not a subluxation. If there is pressure and interference at transitional area, it is a subluxation. NCM proves whether there is or is not interference to transmission of mental impulse supply at or between transitional areas. It makes difference between snap judgment on a part of chiropractic information or knowledge based on all of it. It makes no difference whether a man has taken one, 26,000, or a million spinographs. If both means are used, it makes no difference how many or how few exposures he has made. Number of plates does not determine essential elements which mark difference between him who is a chiropractor and proves it and him who thinks he is and tries to make himself believe he proves it with a limited use of a limited number of elements which constitute full understanding of complete use of chiropractic principle and practice. NCM has proven that practically all transitional areas are not subluxations. In fact, they do not produce pressures upon nerves and do not interfere with transmission of life force flow between brain and body as existing in living bodies, are not cause of any dis-ease, and no amount of so-called adjusting them would get anybody well of anything anywhere located in body. To adjust at each and every irregularity of position of a vertebra as found in a transitional area, established to be such by spinograph, does not open any occluded intervertebral foramen. Such does not exist at any place. 
Neither does adjusting at transitional areas restore transmission of any mental impulse supply if there is no interference at such places. We at Palmer School of Chiropractic researched this back in 1923. Others haven't learned this yet. Neither do they desire to learn it, preferring to stand still, and if by doing so, they hope to deny NCM. Both prefer to work with the same idea up till 1923, even though long ago proven unsound and untenable. Position of some is that when they find a transitional area, they assume it contains all elements necessary to make it a chiropractic subluxation. So, they find themselves assuming much, proving little, writing about what they assume, proving nothing. Misalignments in transitional areas will be found without being subluxations. Subluxations will be found without being in a transitional area. Which is which is an essential that must be definitely, accurately, and positively settled for one to approach scientific work and deliver a positive health service to the sick. To deny two essential chiropractic elements, pressure and interference, as not being present does not explain why they are present. Neither does it explain being present why they are absent in other irregularities or misalignments. Neither does it explain having abnormalities in position of vertebrae, what should be done for them to reestablish them in normal alignment throughout entire spine, which is the thing some propound in their premise. We, who so radically differ from them, desire to establish that complete, full spinal alignment as much as they. They want to do it spinographically. We want to do it chiropractically. We confine our work exclusively to full and complete satisfaction of every chiropractic element in the chiropractic principle and practice. Previous to 1923, we, we thought every case had many subluxations, that each and every transitional area had several or many subluxations. This was our working theory. Since 1923, we know where when and how one subluxation is causing each and every misalignment in each and every transitional area. Previous to 1923, we thought we had to adjust every irregularity in every transitional area to straighten an entire spine. Recovery was usually a slow process. Since 1923, we know where, when, and how to adjust only subluxation, which is in fact, correction, which is such in fact. Automatically, each and every irregularity and misalignment in each and every osseous transitional area disappears as every other symptom disappears in any other soft tissue part of body when its cause has been adjusted. Instead of causes being multiple, they are singular. Instead of subluxations being frequent, they are scarce. Instead of being everywhere, they are in one place. Instead of being general, they are specific. When the single cause is correctly adjusted, multiple symptoms of the osseous misalignments found in transitional areas disappear. 
Thus, the entire spine is straightened throughout its entire length. Not by much done, but by little. Not at many wrong places, but at one right place. Recovery is usually a rapid process. For more elaborate explanation of this principle, see, all subluxations are misalignments, but misalignments are not subluxations. The hour has arrived. Volume 24, Palmer, 1950. Two issues stand out prominently as regards others' position. They deal with a portion of four chiropractic elements in chiropractic principle and practice, but try to reach a full and complete conclusion working with only two of the facts. They conclude, in 1932, on old ideas proven untenable, unsafe, and unsound, as applied to all people under all conditions at all times. They adjust many places and occasionally succeed when if they knew where, when, and how to adjust. They would very materially step up efficiency in largest percentage of cases. It is hoped others will see light of modern research and lay aside stubborn personal pride of position and opinion to realize there is more at stake in being of greater service to sick than in sticking to a theory unworthy of prejudice or pride. Wise men change opinions, principles always remaining true. After above was written, we wondered if we had told some chiropractors anything they didn't know. We came to conclusion we hadn't. Some don't like NCM. They are prejudiced. They don't know why. Neither can they give reason why they should be. However, it did give an opportunity to present clear explanation of what chiropractic is, is not, what it does and does not, and when it does it. Are majority of chiropractors obsolete? Any chiropractor is chiropractically obsolete who ignores, omits, forgets, and overlooks to consider a. Pressure upon nerves and b. Interference to transmission of mental impulse supply as a part of essential and necessary elements to be recognized, considered, studied, and worked with in question of cause and cure of dis-ease. That some have ignored them is obvious. That some ignore NCM is equally obvious. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. This has been The Green Book Commentaries.